You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 274th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 894th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of December 15th, 2022. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred at the 9.08 mark of the first half of Indiana's loss to Arizona. That's when Miller Kopp hit a three-pointer to cut Arizona's ballooning first-half lead from 29-12 to 29-15. It was a mostly unremarkable play during one of the worst stretches of the season for this IU team, so what's the big deal? Well, Kopp had opened the game by missing his first three three three-point attempts. In fact, he had missed two open looks on the prior possession, and yet... When he fired up that four three-pointer with 9.08 to go, I had full, visceral confidence that it was going in, and it did. So here's a quick question for you. When was the last time you were truly confident in an IU shooter? You probably have to go all the way back to 2017 when James Blackman Jr. was firing up six-plus threes a game and making 42.1% of them. And while Miller Cop isn't the kind of shooter James Blackman Jr. was, Cop is a career 37.1 shooter from three, while JBJ was 41.5, He's earning a meaningful level of confidence from IU fans with the way he's shooting to open this season. Miller Kopp is 23 of 47 from three, a sizzling 48.9%, and he's 13 for 20 from three, good for 65%. And sure, the sample size is still pretty small. Let's see how those percentages hold up in the heat of Big Ten play. But Kopp's shooting improvement is just one example of a rare trend we're seeing up and down Indiana's roster early this season. Players actually improving as shooters. Trey Galloway is shooting better than ever, 6 for 13 from 3, 11 of 18 on twos. Tamar Bates is shooting better than ever, 14 of 34 from 3, 19 of 29 from 2. Xavier Johnson's three-point and free-throw percentages are currently career highs. And again, let's see how these early trends hold up in Big Ten play, but it's worth noting because this kind of internal shooting improvement just isn't something we've seen a lot in recent seasons outside of Al Durham and the one Armand Franklin season. And it's showing up in the team-wide numbers, too. Indiana's shooting 36.4% from deep as a team and already has four games this season, making 10 or more three-pointers, including each of the last two. Now, we all know that the shooting has to improve for Indiana to win at the level we all desire. Part of that is recruiting better shooters, but part of it is also developing the shooting of the players you get. And on that second point, we're seeing some early returns here in year two of the Woodson era that are encouraging. Hopefully they continue because it will take some pressure and attention off of Trace in the post and give this Indiana roster a real chance to play up to its ceiling come February and March. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Andy and his man bun are off tonight as he tends to some pre-holiday duties with his wife and girls. Uh, But here with me, back from Las Vegas, he's a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bracketology, and a man 
who understands the value of shooting. No one ever gets in the paper for passing. No <laughs> chicks will go out with you if you're not in the paper. That's right. You got to shoot. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Coach. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time so Well, Coach, you made it back from Vegas. You didn't get arrested that we know about. So, <laughs> what's no, on your mind tonight? <laughs> I'm, I'm here, uh, no record, uh, a little bit lighter in the wallet uh, from the blackjack table, but a, a really nice trip out to Vegas. Uh, I was telling Ryan before the show, I enjoy the time zone, uh, the sports coming on early. It, it was just a, a very good trip. I, I spent it with Mrs. Tonsoni and then my oldest son and his wife and some family friends. So, it was a family vacation until Saturday. And then seeing all the Hoosier fans uh, in Vegas, uh, around the arena, up and down the strip, uh, it just reminded me of of how special we have it as as Indiana fans. That when things start turning our way, people will travel. Uh, looking forward to tournament play, Big Ten tournament play, where we can again play in the weekend. Uh, there's there's nothing better than than those uh, Indiana fans in the hotel cheering for people for walking out of a hotel. Um, it, it's, it's the brand, and it's just fun to be, be a part of it. Also, to all of our uh, Assembly Call listeners and followers, thanks for stopping by. I got inundated with direct messages. I apologize for those I couldn't meet up with uh, and those that I did have a, a drink with or, or say hello. It was just, it's just fantastic. It, it represents what – Jared and Ryan, what you guys do on the show, I, I benefit from it because uh, uh, I get to, to be closer. But they really appreciate what we do, and, and that was awesome. Especially my guy Ryder, uh, the, the young man, um, and his father came up. It was just a very special uh, meeting. Uh, it kept the game in perspective uh, that, that there are people that just love the candy stripes and love the experience of being a Hoosier fan, win or lose. So shout-outs to Ryder. Uh, from California. I hope you're uh, listening uh, or watch the show. And then the basketball, uh, Indiana didn't play well and yet had an opportunity late in the game to beat a top 10 program who has a lot of weapons. But but I don't think Indiana played well post-defensively or rebounding. I thought they got manhandled. I thought the point guard play was sloppy in executing offense. Um, a lot of times, you know, I, I heard – uh, you guys talk in, in about the post game show. I listen to it and and not getting t a TJD the ball on the move. Well, part of that was because the guards were so slow in in getting into offense that by the time any design for TJD, it was clogged up the way Arizona was. So, the nice thing is we hit threes, and, and, and we uh, the resiliency of the team in a game where I don't think they played well. So, you know that's going to happen, uh, but we competed in that situation so you get on the plane and fly home and hardly get some sleep but uh we're back at it and, and we have a shot again saturday to to make some noise uh, again against a quality opponent absolutely all right well also joining us tonight ladies and gentlemen he is a senior writer for the big lead and the world's greatest unemployed shot doctor and he has a message for all the haters out there oh i hit the wrong button up yours Dang it, that would have been so much better if I hit the right button. Up yours. I had to pull that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is everybody's favorite ranter. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the 
Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, what would you like to rant about this evening? Yeah, I, I just think we need to uh, remember that the last time we were on here talking, uh, I, look, they had a chance to win that game, but it felt like Indiana was outmanned completely by Arizona. And that's, you know, Arizona's a really good team. And I, and I told you, I've watched them a couple times. I think they're going to be as good as anybody in the country this year. Uh, they've got a lot of talent up and down that roster, and their starting five is really friggin' good and well-rounded. Um, that said, Indiana's going to have to compete with teams like that to win the big 10. I mean, we've hyped them as the, the big 10 preseason, the, the, the team that's going to win the big 10 and all this. And, you know, I, I just think that there was a soft label on Indiana for a while and it has shown up in their two losses that they've been soft. They've gotten pushed around and whether it's trace Jackson Davis or the guards or whoever they've gotten pushed around. And you cannot get pushed around and win big games in college basketball anymore. You might get lucky and win two out of 10, but you're not going to win big, big games consistently unless you're tough and they have to be tougher. And Mike Woodson should be able to get these guys to be tougher than they are. Um, And and quite frankly, without Jalen Hood Shafino, they've looked a lot like last year's team um, in a lot of ways. They can shoot a little better. Um, but it's a lot of relying on Trace Jackson Davis to be superhuman and Xavier Johnson to play at his absolute best to get wins against de- decent competition. And so they need him back. And then the rest of the guys need to be tougher because they got shoved around and they didn't fight back the way they should have. They, tr- they worked hard, they played hard, but they didn't push back I- I- the way that they were getting pushed. So that's the thing we got to watch from this team moving forward. Big 10 is a tough conference where you are going to get smacked in the mouth a lot. And it's about how you respond to getting punched in the mouth because it's going to happen inevitably. It's about how you respond to it. And we saw in the Big Ten tournament last year, they responded very well to it. And you were hoping they could carry that on this year. The two times they have really gotten punched in the face at Rutgers and against Arizona, they have not responded well. Again, team plays hard. It's about playing smart and playing physical and, you know, being able to counter what a team is throwing at you. And they haven't done that so far against two really good teams. Well said. All right. Well, here's what we have in store this week. The rest of segment one, we will have some more reflections from Vegas and talk a little bit about Jalen Hood-Shafino's health because uh, Mike Woodson talked about it today. And then in segment two, we are going to talk about IU Kansas and we have another special guest with us. It is Tate Frazier from Titus and Tate. He'll be joining us here for segment two. And then in segment three, as always, we will do our mailbag. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Yes, this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. With beloved logos, of course, like two different versions of the bison, controversial logos like the oval and everything in between. Uh, But look, the bottom line is Homefield Apparel has something uh, for fans of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. They keep adding new schools. They got 140, 150. And that's what makes it a great place to do your Christmas shopping because you can go knock out like half your list and get them really cool stuff. Maybe it's someone who lives in a warm weather climate. You want to get them t-shirts. Maybe it's someone who's prepping for the cold and you want to get them some of the most comfortable hoodies and crew necks that are there. Well, with Home Field Apparel, you know they're going to get comfortable stuff. The colors are going to last through many washings. And you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly 
and there's just not much better than that. So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. All right, uh, Coach, I'm, you know, I'm just curious. Obviously, you gave us some of your observations uh, from Vegas. Is there anything else that, that stood out to you, whether on the court or off, that you haven't had a chance to share? Well, I'm going to back up Ryan's talk about being tough. I think that's correct, uh, and it's just subtle things. Uh, the post play, uh, we weren't catching the post early uh, on defense, and, and there were several times race and TJD and Renew we're just standing in the lane, and next thing you know, a guy cut behind him and then sealed him at the rim. And you can't stop those talented guys at the rim. You're going to have to push them out a, a little bit further. I thought TJD tried to do that better than the other two post defenders, but that's just a step slow. That's that's just not locked in in a big moment. Uh, and that's a sign that uh, of that toughness that, that Ryan's talking about. It's not a lack of effort, not a lack of preparation. It's just... Are you locked in to doing the little things to win big games like that? Uh, and I thought that and the rebounding, the, the lack of physicality by our bigs in blocking out and rebounding uh, was shocking uh, uh, defensively. And, and you've seen our uh, Indiana's defensive numbers decrease a little bit. It's like they're resting on their laurels a little bit. And, and, and that's not intentional. Sometimes, you know, you just get comfortable being a solid defensive team. And, and then you run into a very – talented Arizona team that could do multiple things. And it's like every time we doubled down, they hit a three. Every time we stayed tight on the guards, they entered it in the post because the post got. So the defense was the most shocking uh, aspect for me. Um, offensively, we're just going to have to figure something out because they're double, triple team the lane. They also clogged the lane on the middle ball screen because that's where X operates uh, well and, and, there is such an emphasis on looking inside. Even when Race hit four threes, there's a couple times after he hit a couple where he still was open, and his still his first thought is, "I got to look in at TJD, dude. You just hit three threes. Catch it and let it fly." Uh, the overemphasis on inside out is something that has to be watched by the coaching staff, and maybe again we're shooting better. The confidence is getting better. That's a positive, but. There were times when our point guards, then go back to what I said earlier about our point guards, they missed the one more pass to people who were open. Cop was open all night long and should have got four or five more opportunities. Trey Galloway missed a couple. The coaches are calling them over and telling them. So this is where I thought it was a player lack of execution game more than a, a coaching situation game. Obviously, the coaches could have done some better things as well. But the players were too – sped up, too caught up in the moment. Maybe it was just a big game with 13,000 IU fans on the road in the hotel lobby. I don't know what it was, but they didn't play smart. It wasn't smart basketball by the, by the players. I mean, X throws one to the coach. Um, you don't win big games with players when you're doing that. Uh, and that's what Arizona played calm. They, they took the post feed when it was there. They took the three-point shot. They skipped against the help when it was there. We seem to be in such a hurry uh, to do things, especially to go inside, that uh, th that's also a positive, though, because you can calm that down through film study and, and reps and playing these big games. Uh, some of these guys at Arizona for a couple of years have played in, in those types of atmospheres. But uh, I was really disappointed in, in, in the performance of Indiana, really proud of the fight and the resilience to come back several times 
uh, with big shots and very pleased with the shooting. So, yeah, uh, we're two and one in the quality games in non-conference with a chance to go three and one in a big, big game. No one thinks we're going to compete. So this isn't a setback. It's just a, a game that Indiana didn't play well and needs to be mentally tougher, as Ryan mentioned, and physically tougher as well in order to compete in the second weekend and a Final Four if they ever have that opportunity to get there. You know, this seems like a team that, for better or worse, still very much goes as Trace goes. And for most of the season, it's been for the better because he's been really, really good and has been really good ever since the Big Ten tournament and even, you know, a few weeks before that last year. He was terrific at Xavier, played well against North Carolina, obviously has the, you know, the triple-double against Nebraska, but against Rutgers and Arizona really seemed out of sorts. And, you know, I'm curious to to you, did that look like, you know, something where he just doesn't quite have his same quickness and bounce because he's dealing with injuries? We know he's had back issues. Or did it seem more to you like a little bit of old trace creeping in where we know in some of these games when teams have really bodied him up and tried to take stuff away, he has been a little bit too willing to acquiesce instead of imposing his will on the game and the team kind of follows suit. I, I didn't watch the game on, on television. Again, I'm watching it live from several rows up. I have no problem with how Trace played. It, mm. it, it is absolutely brutal to play against two and three guys. You have no room to move. When you do do a side ball screen and roll and the pass is there, the guards' heads are down trying to dribble too much, and then you run into a body, then you run into a body. Um, this This wasn't the old Trace where he would come and go. This was old Trace where I'm just frustrated because I'm just getting physically – fronted behind bumped here when I catch I have no room to even bounce um and that's just frustrating um he's not just getting double teamed he's getting triple teamed and people are just sitting in the lane like crazy so maybe there was some mental frustration I also think his back is still bothering him I I texted you guys that I saw him reach for his back a lot of times when he's walking to the huddle for timeouts and, and he looked a little bit slower uh, because of that. But I just think Arizona took him away. Uh, Arizona took him away and trace wants to win and trace wants to score 20 and get 10. And he can't, uh, he can't until something changes uh, defensively against Indiana, because there's just no room. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic player, but with no room, he can't score the 20 that Indiana needs. And this is where the emphasis on getting the ball is great. But if teams are going to do that, you got to have some other avenues to attack and then put that onus back on that opposing coach. Am I going to still stay in this pack line, packing the lane, double, triple teaming defense, or am I going to come out a little bit? Um, uh, you guys mentioned it, thought you got TJD the ball more in the move in the second half, and why did IU wait to do that? The reason was the three ball opened that up. It, it, from a, from my perspective, they made an adjustment to stick a little closer to the three ball, so they were moving, and they got on the guards for, hey, pass the ball. Quit just dribbling the crap out of it. You know, make sure you're hitting TJD when he's open, not two steps later as yeah. he's getting bumped. And I thought they did that in the second half because the second half was a, a solid effort. Uh, up until the last three or four minutes. So I mean, the last 30 minutes of the game were a pretty good effort. It was that first yeah. end where just nothing looked right. It was just I, that stretch just, where X was out, really. <laughs> I mean, Indiana well, just came I mean, totally unglued. I know that the score was closer, but they didn't start well. They didn't. It didn't look yeah. good from the beginning. Yeah. Arizona took a few minutes to get in and start making some shots. And, and, and it's understandable because it's a strange venue. Um, but 
it didn't look good from the jump and the next did go out and Arizona found its rhythm. I, I don't know if those two things are directly related, but Indiana definitely didn't play well with X out. So, uh, but I, you know, it's the kind of thing where I feel like Arizona was going to get on that role, regardless of whether or not X was in the game, they, they started hitting some shots and, and that's kind of when we fell apart. And really our shot making covered poor performance. It did to be honest, which is what shot making does, but we Racing played bad and pop kept them in the game. Mm-hmm. And the shot making kept Indiana in those runs, and that's the reason they couldn't get over the top because they just weren't playing good offense or good defense uh, throughout. And Arizona runs offense where they take whatever is available. It's just it's it's kind yep. of a beautiful and they thing. can it, they can and they can if the guards are open they're going to shoot the three if the post is open they're going to feed the post and it balances out in a way. And, and they can all, they're nice, all they just have a ton of well-rounded players yeah. who can kind of do everything too. I mean, even the big guys can can step out a little bit. Ballo not as much, but Tubelis can can do whatever he wants pretty much. And you know, it's it, with Indiana, Indiana's undersized. It, it, you know, I know we rely on the paint a lot, but Indiana's undersized compared to some of these teams. And and you get Tubelis at six eleven, able to take you out on the floor a little bit, and then you know, be running in for a rebound. It's hard to block a guy like that out. You're getting crashed into from a guy running from 18 feet out, trying to get around you to tip a rebound. And he did that a number yeah. of times. Ballo's yeah. seven feet. He can reach over you and the officials aren't going to call it. And, and that happens several times. I mean, it's just a tough, it's a tough matchup, but it's going to be a tough matchup for anyone. And guess what? You want to win a national championship. You're probably going to have to beat a team like that. You're probably going to have to yeah. run into a team like that to get far in the tournament. Um, yeah. Arizona's Indiana's- not the only one out there. Indiana's an in-the-lane offense right now from the post feeds and Race Thompson and from the guards. Galloway's better on his floaters. X is good at getting in the lane. Where Arizona's guards are better on the perimeter. They come off ball screens. If you go under, they're going to pull the three. We don't really have that yet. Maybe with 10 threes in the last two games, we're going to get to a spot where the three-point becomes a weapon. Uh, I would still love to see coach run some things for shooters early and just tell that opposing coach, you sit in that lane, we're going to run stuff for cop and he's going to hit four or five threes. We're going to get out 15 to five and we're going to kick your ass with the three point ball just as much as we're going to do it with the post feed. Like if we're going to make 10 threes and tomorrow's going to shoot that way and Galloway shooting 40%, start running some stuff for these guys, not just early middle ball screen, low post or have to go into TJD, and, and Woodson's been good at freeing up these guys to shoot, free them up to play, like, uh, a little bit more. Because Race just, he's he's got to shoot. If he if no one's on him, he's got to shoot, not yeah. look inside. It, it, you can't feed the post from the top of the key when a guy's in front of TJD and behind TJD, and then the whole offense gets stagnant. Um, that's still where Indiana's offense is, is, a, is a work in progress. But it also has a lot of potential, guys. I think with the way Indiana shot sure. and, and moved the basketball was a big, big plus, uh, even though I thought they didn't play well. Sh- if Indiana could keep hitting shots like that, it doesn't have to be the same guys, but if guys can no. keep hitting shots like that, you know, I don't think race is going to hit four consistently, but if they can hit shots like that, it does open up things on the offensive end. We've been asking for that for years. If cop can get looks, I mean, the thing is cop could have been doing this a few other games, but there are games where he's just not getting looks because guys are overplaying it. it happened to Rutgers, you know, it's they're overplaying it. doesn't get any great shots and you know, you got to do stuff to open him up. He got them against Arizona and he made them. And you were right, Jared, that, that, you know, He's just got to consistently take those when he's open. And he will. I mean, he's got that mentality this year that he's just going to gun. And he should. This offense needs that. And and so you feel good about him taking those. It's just can other guys be consistent as well. Tamar has looked better over the last couple weeks of shooting. And and so is uh, a race, obviously. So 
um, and, and, and Galloway as well. But guys need to be able to knock them down. You know, Xavier Johnson's not shooting the way he did last year at the end of last year so far. But again, he didn't do that till the end of last year. It wasn't. He's all actually season. shooting better than he was last year, which is right. crazy. No, but not, not. But he's done a lot of that work in the in the games they didn't need him to. So yeah, I, true. You know, it's it's he's got to be able to step up in the bigger games and do that. And it's harder. We're, he's facing yeah. facing bigger, more athletic guys in those games, and he shoots it from his chest. You know, and so it's going to be harder to get the ball off, and he's got to create his own space. And our threes are kick out threes or race hit the pick and pop, which was nice to see too. But that is dependent on getting in the lane. Well, you got guys blocks and elbows. You got five guys sitting in the lane. That's hard to get drive and kick threes too. Uh, it, and we know that's what Woodson likes, that stand, standing, spacing, yeah. shooting. The only way um, you're getting them now is the post-up threes and the double team. Or the, 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 the post-up back to the basket and the double team comes, and that's how you're getting them. Yeah. So the last thing I'll mention here as we end this segment and as we lead into our talk about Kansas is obviously the big question is, will Jalen Hood-Shafino play? You know, I, I don't think any of us necessarily think he would have been the difference in winning and losing against Arizona, but he would have made a difference in how that game went. Um, you know, and so obviously I think we, we all understand how important he is to Indiana. And Mike Woodson was asked about him today at media availability and said, well, you know, we're going to let him practice today, kind of go bang a little bit and see how he responds to it. Uh, and so it sounds like there's a little bit of optimism that he may be ready to go. Obviously, Indiana has two games against sub-200 competition coming up after this game, and then not another game until January 5th. So there is a huge gap for Indiana. And so, you know, if you can play him, uh, you know, against Kansas and get 15, 20 minutes out of him, obviously his conditioning won't be, you know, where it needs to be. Uh, but if you can get him out there, he would be a big help, and then he's going to have several weeks to rest after that before Big Ten play. So, you know, I, I think, and we'll talk about this with Tate when he gets here, I'll feel much better about Indiana's chances to compete if you have Jalen out there. Um, you know, as even just as odd, you know, what, and you know what the thing is, as odd as it is to say, I, I, I honestly think having him as a freshman might have settled Indiana down a little bit. Like X gets a little bit more sped up than Jalen does sometimes, even as a fifth yeah, year senior. And there's a calmness to the way that Jalen plays. You know, we saw it against North Carolina, his first just massive moment. And he came right out and just took the game over at the beginning. His heart of rate game. doesn't get sped up. His heart yeah. rate doesn't. And get some sped guys up. are and, just and like that, you know. One of the big things about that game against Arizona and Coach, I know you were there and you would see it and you were probably screaming internally. Was Trey Galloway and X got playing way too fast off the jump? Yeah, they played way too fast, and it's Arizona plays very fast, and that's what but they calm. do. Is they they sucker you into playing at your pace, and you're down ten points at some, in the first half. Take a deep breath, run your offense, and get a bucket. Don't you don't have to. You're not going to get all ten points back in one possession. You know, start to chip away, and they didn't do that. They started going up and down the floor with them. They started, you know, overrunning cuts. You know, over over dribbling, dribbling offs. Yeah, I mean, instead of just slowing down, and that's you're a point guard. That's your job is to get everybody to take a breath and do what they're supposed to do. Run your best play, get a bucket, and then that calms everything down be able to come back with a defense that's set up instead of a live ball situation where they're they're bursting up the floor off a rebound so yeah i they can't do that can't get sped up indiana doesn't play that way a couple things it gives a chance if x is struggling to have him off the ball if he's on the court or come sit by woodson and get a little instruction and you just couldn't do that in the last couple of games with with hood shafino out yeah but he also helps rebounding uh Rutgers, Arizona, um, I've talked incessantly enough about guard rebounding when the guards get rebounds, but he's that guy. Ryan mentioned defensively. 
So we're, we're all going to look at Jay, uh, Jalen as, as a calming influence offensively, but you're going to put him on the best wing, and his length is needed uh, to help defensively, but then rebounding and getting out on the break, I think our transition offense is better because he looks to make things happen uh, as opposed to, you know, wanting to drive in and take shots that are that are not there. And, and you know, if he wasn't a, a true freshman, you might call him our best basketball point guard or guard perimeter just from that executing offense, which is what Indiana did not do against Arizona. They were just kind of helter-skelter, and when shots went in, they, they made their runs, and when it didn't, uh, Arizona was able to, to get some distance. Yep. All right, well, coming up here on Assembly Call Radio, it is time to dive into Saturday's game against Kansas, and we will have a special guest here with us, Tate Frazier from Titus and Tate, to help us break down Indiana's matchup on Saturday. Stick around. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Tate. Yo, what's going on, fellas? Great what's going on, here. man? Love the LMU shirt. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grew I'm a uh, big Marymount fan. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a booster for LMU. I, I have to put that on the table. You know what I mean? So we're all fair and balanced here. You know, they, they, they helped us get into the Final Four last year. Um, shout out to their AD Craig for, for hooking us up. So, yeah, lo- love LMU. They're the best. Nice. And nice. I, I figured I'd wear Adidas, right? I'm coming on with the Indiana guys. There you so go. That's right. I, I wanted to be on brand. That's right. It's Indiana, Kansas. Got to have some Adidas. <laughs> Absolutely. 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 Okay, um, cool. We'll do a little intro music, hop in here to segment two, and then we will talk a little IU Kansas. Perfect. And I saw Bill Titus just retweeted. So Oh, yeah, have... he's locked in. He, he, anytime I talk <laughs> about the Hoosiers, he's like, uh, I'll be there. I'm like, all right. He, he makes sure that I, I say nice things. If not, he'll come after me. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's do this here. Here we go. <clears throat> Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Thank you, James. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni, Ryan Phillips, and our special guest, Tate Frazier from Titus and Tate to break down Indiana's upcoming matchup with Kansas. Uh, Before we get to that real quick, our main segment tonight brought to you by our new sponsor, True Blood Real Estate, Jim True Blood, a longtime friend of mine. 
actually the first guy that I ever went to an NCAA tournament game with. Uh, he's the founder and owner of True Blood Real Estate, where he has been helping people in Indiana buy and sell real estate properties since 2006. And starting this season, True Blood Real Estate is the exclusive and official real estate partner of IU Athletics with a team of talented agents to serve you in Bloomington and throughout Indiana. If you are looking to buy or sell real estate in Indiana, you need to experience the True Blood Advantage. Go to TrueBloodRE.com to learn more. That's TrueBloodRE.com. And tell them the Assembly Call sent you. All righty. Well, Tate, welcome to the Assembly Call, yeah. man. We've had, uh, we've had Mark on a couple times. Yes. Uh, but now we've got the Titus and Tate better half here. So it's good to, it, uh, good to have yeah, you. Yeah, you got to have the native son, Mark Titus, on here, of course. And uh, shout out to Coach Titus, his, his father, a proud Hoosier that has, uh, you know, indoctrinated me a little bit to, to Hoosier culture, got me up to speed. So I appreciate him. And uh, I'll be honest with you, that jingle for True Blood got me fired up. So I'm happy to be here, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, we are, uh, are going to talk about IU Kansas. We're going to talk a little bit about if Indiana's victory over North Carolina is going to age well, because I feel mm. like you may have uh, a little bit of insight <laughs> there. Uh, but first, Don Fisher. Shot is up. Missed it. Oh, no. He missed. Tip up now. No, 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 no. And it was. The Hoosiers have beat Duke. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Hoosiers have beaten Duke. That's uh, something everybody on this program right now can get behind. Right, I know. Right. Every time it, I it, listen to their show and they do the Woody Durham, <laughs> I'm always like, we got to do that for Don Fisher. I love that so much. That just warmed my heart. And, uh, you know, it is great. Like, that, that is one thing a lot of people will bring up Duke to me, and, you know, they'll be like, God, you just hate him so much. And I'm like, isn't it great that we all can come together over one school and, and one culture, right? It's good. It's good for college basketball. So I thank you, Duke. That. I appreciate that. <laughs> it does bring us all together. That's for sure. Um... So let's start with this. I thought you okay. and Mark had a really interesting conversation on your last show that just came out, you know, talking about the Indiana-Arizona game. And obviously, just like we were, lots of plaudits for Arizona because they are, you know, awesome and can beat you in so many different ways. But as you guys were talking about Indiana, you were talking about how it doesn't feel like this Indiana team really knows exactly how it wants to play. Like mm. it can do some different things. And it's funny because we've talked about that on the show where it's like, you know, this team at certain points this year has been good about taking what the game is going to give it. Um, and so, you know, some games they've been able to play on the inside and Trace has dominated. Other games they've shot threes. And I was interested to kind of hear that from your guys' perspective as something that in a big game against a team like Arizona can kind of hurt Indiana as they're kind of trying to find that identity. So I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit. Um, you know, just kind yeah. of what your general thoughts are on this IUT. Yeah, right now. I mean, my first thought is, did Trace Jackson Davis opt out after the Carolina game? Because it looks like he did. It, it seems like, uh, you know, he's he's done with it. And uh, he has uh, entered the draft portal. Um, no, I'm kidding. I, I want Trace to get it back. And I also think that Kansas is a great game for him to get it back because, you know, he they don't have a true big on this team. Uh, Indiana is a lot bigger, um, you know, literally with their size. And I think that, you just played the best front court in the country, right? I mean, I saw Arizona firsthand in Maui. Those two guys, Tubelis and Balo, I mean, it's hard to keep up with those guys. And to have Trace on uh, Balo the entire game, playing, battling, bumping, all that sort of stuff, it's taxing. So, um, and Tubelis running the floor, having to deal with that. I mean, 
he, he just saw the best. So I think when he goes up against Kansas, I'm hoping that he lights a little bit of a fire. He'll be in Allen Fieldhouse. That crowd, that environment, that atmosphere will get him going because Trace is one of the best players in the country. I hope that he clicks back in. I think I saw over the last three games he's averaging 12 points a game. That's not what you want to see. The Rutgers game was not what, you know, that that was the most frustrating game to me. Arizona, you 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 can kind of explain it a little bit. I actually like the fight of this Indiana group. I liked how they battled back in that game. And, uh, you know, it's great to have versatility, but you need an identity. And I think that's really the the conversation that you were pointing to with Titus and I. We're, we're still trying to figure out what that identity is. We know we had the talent. We know we have a face of the franchise, so to speak, in Trace Jackson Davis. But, um, you know, when Hood Shafino gets back, I think that Indiana is a really dangerous, fun team. And maybe that helps with the identity a little bit because he can be a star, in my opinion. Yeah, well, as we were talking about, you know, there is some optimism that he'll be able to play on Saturday and he makes, you know, just a huge difference for this team. What are you mentioned, you know, Kansas doesn't have a big behemoth down low like Arizona, but they obviously have a lot of talented players, uh, you know, on that roster, terrific coach and Bill Self. Right. What are some of the keys for, you know, going into Allen Fieldhouse and, you know, not just competing for 40 minutes, but Indiana actually winning? Yeah, I mean, Mike Woodson, I, I heard him saying 40 minutes, right? We we keep hearing 40 minutes. He said he's excited for his guys to see this atmosphere because we know how great Assembly Hall is. Assembly Hall is, you know, unmatched. I would say, you know, I've never been to Allen Fieldhouse, but I have been to Assembly Hall, and Assembly Hall is, is number one in my mind where I've been, right, as far as atmosphere. So in that sense, I think Indiana will understand it, what they're witnessing and what they're playing in. I don't think they're going to be overwhelmed by it, right? They 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 get what's going on. And they need to play inside out and they need to play through Trace Jackson Davis. And I think KJ Adams will be um, probably the guy that's on him, but I, I'm not really sure for Kansas. You know, we'll see what happens. But KJ Adams has kind of been their rim protector, so to speak. He's only six, seven, though. And if you're Trace Jackson Davis, take a little pride in this moment in time and say, you know, I'm going to dominate this game. And if you do dominate this game as Trace Jackson Davis, now we're talking about national player. Like you're, you're elevating the conversation for yourself and for Indiana on a big stage. And Kansas has been hot. They won three straight. They just blew out Missouri. Uh, You know, Jalen Wilson is one of those guys that's in the National Player of the Year conversation. So you go head-to-head with him. They don't really have a a traditional big to go up against you. You know, play inside out, feed him the ball. And maybe you go a little bit Archie Miller with it as much as we don't want to We don't want to use that term. Let's play through through Trace Jackson Davis. Let's make him primary. Let's get him as many touches as possible, as many shots as possible. Let's get them in foul trouble. I mean, I think that's it's, it's as simple as that. Let's win the rebounding battle and let's play big and and let's, you know, kind of impose our will a little bit on a team that's smaller, younger, still trying to figure out their identity. I think they're more of a finesse team than, than a power team that they've been in the past with, you know, as a and guys like that. So this could be a good opportunity for Kansas to kind of bounce back after Arizona. Thank you. Archie appreciates <laughs> the, uh, the, the nice comments. Is, uh, is Indiana's kryptonite that power team, that Rutgers uh, sag mm. in the lane, defensive presence, Arizona with two bigs, you know, and and this game might be a better chance for Indiana to attack that lane and feed that post uh, because of the things you mentioned. But is yeah. that Indiana's kryptonite, those big, strong post presence teams that will just say, go ahead and shoot from outside. We're We're not letting you get in the lane. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the good news for if I was Mike Woodson after the Arizona game, I go in the locker room and say, guys, we're not going to see any better duo than that all season. So you just saw the best. Now we know what the best looks like. We didn't even play well. 
We didn't have a guy like Coach Fino who could be an X factor in that game. I think you can spin it in a positive way where you hope that you learn from that game. And then when you go up against the Hunter Dickinsons of the world and these other bigs in the Big Ten, they might not seem as scary because I don't think anyone is in the condition of those Arizona bigs. I mean, they are unbelievable and it just keeps coming and keeps coming. And in fact, like sometimes in games, they get bored as we saw. I mean, they ripped off 17 straight against Indiana and then they kind of let you guys get back in the game a little bit. But I think you've already seen the best. That's a good thing. But you also should be one of the best. As you, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis should have got a lot of confidence. He dominated Baycott, right? They're supposed to be peers. They're supposed to be on the same level. You dominated that matchup. You get humbled in another matchup with Arizona. Let's learn from that. You're still one of the best bigs in the country. Let's play like that. I mean, I think I think it's as simple as that. And let's play inside out. Yeah, you know, this this game Saturday, obviously, you know, playing at Allen Fieldhouse is, I mean, it's, it's a nearly impossible place to win. And so it's an uphill right. battle. You know, I do think Indiana's going to have, you know, an opportunity. Trace is going to have an opportunity to get some stuff done. What concerns me is, you know, how does Indiana defend Jalen Wilson? And what do you do with Grady Dick? Because, mm. you know, this has been a team that, you know, guys on the perimeter who can go inside out. You know, Indiana struggled with some of those guys, you know, especially without, you know, Jalen Hood Shafino. Race Thompson has not been quite the level of defender this year that we've seen in the past. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of concerned there. What do you think Indiana does with those two guys who obviously can, you know, score with the best of them? Yeah, what's worrisome about Kansas is that they can put up a lot of points, obviously, and they're going to be comfortable playing at home. And even some of the guys that they bring off the bench can be scary. And I think Kevin McCullough, he just had 21 points. That was his, uh, you know, career high at Kansas so far. So, you know, he's a guy that came from Texas Tech, knows how to play basketball, and is sort of, you know, figuring out his role within this team. Grady Dick, I mean, he's going to have a 30-point game probably this season before before it's all said and done. So he is someone that can completely take over this game. That is the only thing that is worrisome. But I think Indiana's got a defensive identity. I think that they, you know, I, I think they can kind of batten down the hatches, so to speak, on that end of the floor and maybe make some of these young guys, you know, with that Big Ten physicality, you know, playing against the Big 12. Maybe, maybe you get into Grady Dick a little bit. He gets a little bit flustered, you know. And they're playing a quality opponent and you guys as well. And they've been cruising a little bit and they're coming off Missouri who they just absolutely bludgeoned. And uh, you know, that those are good things as far as like, you're coming on a bounce back game. Kansas has been riding a little bit of a high. They're still a young team. They're still figuring things out and they have no consistent scoring option outside of Jalen Wilson. And you know, if he ends up taking 20, 25 shots, that might not be the worst thing, you know, because they're, they're, they're getting a little bit too, you know, isocentric at times. And if you ask Bill Self how he wants to play with this team, he's still trying to figure it out, I think. I think he, he's still trying to figure out who is that guy. They want it to be Grady Dick, but he's still a freshman. Um, and Wilson is, like we said, a National Player of the Year candidate. So um, in general, I, I, I could just, in my head, I can see Kansas struggling a little bit in this game to, to find their footing, so. That, that, that's kind of just how I feel about Kansas right now. Okay. I think that's a good note to end on. That's a, that's a nice positive note to send us mm. into a, to Saturday. We're winning on Saturday. <laughs> I know. Let's feel go. Uh, so Tate, you know, I don't know if you saw, but the big lead recently did their, you know, sports media awards and Titus nice. and Tate was up for uh, best sports podcast. Uh, however, the big lead made the mistake of choosing Ryan Rosillo. I mean, great podcast. Ryan Russell has right. a great podcast, but they right. could have chosen the best college basketball podcast. Do you have any words for Ryan Phillips, who is a senior writer let, on the big lead? Let me say something real quick. <laughs> yeah, please, Ryan. 
was not my vote. Okay. Uh, Love that. I won't reveal who I voted for because, you know, sanctity of the voting booth. Mm. But uh, respect. Rustillo was not my vote. I'm just putting that out there. I mean, look, the real winner here is Kyle Crichton, a.k.a. Uh, producer Kyle, a.k.a. nephew Kyle. He is the producer <laughs> of Once One Shining Podcast with Titus and I and the producer of the Ryan Rosillo podcast. So anything Kyle touches is gold. Um, you know, that that's what I was happy for. I'm happy he won. Rosillo's a great guy. He's always been very nice. So, uh, Ryan, I'm upset that you didn't uh, throw some votes out on our behalf, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get past it. I'll move on. There's always um, next year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we were shocked. When we saw it, we laughed because we were like, this must be wrong. <laughs> 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 like, who did this? Like, did he actually listen Yeah, is this, this Photoshop? Someone tweeted, that, who did this? Uh, who mean this? Uh, but, no, we, we were very excited. And, look, we're, we're, we like to be nominated. We're great nominees. We're not, we might not be great winners. We might be, we might be talking too much. Well, so. when we turn into an eventual award show, I'll get I'll give it to you guys just so I can right. do the acceptance speech. We'll um, do whatever we'll do whatever we need to do. We'll we'll do bits <laughs> in the crowd. We'll do man on the street, whatever you want. Ryan, didn't um, you get nominated for a Duffy once? For like sports yeah. headline of the year? Yeah. 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 About about uh uh Titus going after Rothstein. Right. Yeah, was, right. Yeah. Appreciate that. We love yeah. we love those stories. We, we <laughs> the the Duffies are important, so we appreciate your journalism. I listen every year. Um so I, I had to ask, we were talking about this with Arizona and I was saying, I've watched Arizona. I watched him in Maui and then I watched mm-hmm. him play Indiana and I don't have time to watch all their games, but they look to me like as good as anybody when they're on, uh, who's the best team you've seen this year, Tate? Yeah. I mean, I had air after Maui, I was like, Arizona is the best team in the country. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I think Connecticut is probably the right answer right now. I think Connecticut hasn't even really been challenged. They, they beat the brakes off of Alabama. If they played Carolina in the PK invitational or whatever he's calling it now, I call it the PK 85. They would have blown them out. They blew out Florida at Florida. Um, they're just like a really connected group, even though they have a bunch of transfers and, you know, guys that have grown into their roles and things like that. So um, and I like Klingon off the bench, this freshman and having a seven, two guy off the bench and having, they have the best second unit. I think they have the best depth in the country. Um, UConn does. So I, I really like that group. Arizona though, like I said, I don't see any team maybe other than UConn, um, with the front court that can really match up with Tubelis and Balo. And funny enough, Sonogo, who is UConn's big is also from Mali. So both of these guys are from the same country, Balo and Sonogo. So they're eventually going to probably face each other, probably in the final four. um, And they're both from this really small island. So that's crazy in and of itself. But then, uh, yeah, those are probably the two teams. And then a a team that's kind of outside right now of the the top five that I think could really um, sneak in and and do something to March, even though I don't really believe in their coaches, uh, Tennessee. I think Tennessee's guard play. I love their defense. Obviously we all love their defense, but I really think that they have three true point guards that if you gave me Zakai Ziegler on Arizona, I'd say that they'd win the championship. My problem with Arizona is that Kirk Kreese, who we all love could lose a game out of pride, out of, out of, you know, whatever it is, ego, whatever it is. He could, he could lose you a game. I listened to you guys last year talking about him against UCLA where he shot, like (laughs) he took like 20 shots or something. He's like one for 17 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember listening to that and I'm like, I just hope he does that against Indiana. And then (laughs) (laughs) he was knocking everything down. Right. 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 I, I I mean, you, you hope that you get the best of Kerr, but I wish like, there was just a more stable guard in that backcourt because Courtney Ramey, who they brought from Texas, who we all remember from Texas, yep. is kind of the same way, a little bit of a spitfire, 
Um, not always as reliable. And I just love Tennessee's guards. I think they're under control. Um, and that, you know, that that's, that's obviously great to have, um, you know, in your back pocket when it comes to March. You know, you were talking about all the teams that, uh, you know, have bigs and could possibly compete with Arizona. And there are a bunch of annoying voices two hours uh, to, you know, north of Bloomington that are chirping right, right now, wondering why you didn't mention them. Uh, <laughs> well, see, how do, you, how I, do you think they stack up against those teams? Well, Boilermakers, I made a promise after last year when they got to number one in the country and I talked them up and, you know, they'd beaten Carolina. So I wanted to make sure that everyone knew how good they were to make that loss look good. <laughs> I, I saw the I saw I saw the pain in their faces as it was all slipping away. And uh, and I watched the St. Peter's game and I just don't want to put the pressure on Purdue, even though they're number one in the country. I would like them to fly under the radar. And that, that's me being kind, because uh, I really like Matt Painter. I think Matt Painter is a great basketball coach. I think he's a, a, a good person to have in college basketball. I think he's a straight shooter. Right. Uh, I. I just think that he comes from, funny enough, the Bob Knight School uh, of Basketball Coaching, which is the uh, the fundamental base. The we run actual offense, and uh, you know we play the right way, so to speak. So I uh, I want Purdue to figure it out. I think Zach Eady's story is amazing. I mean, he starts playing basketball at 15. We can all see how much better he's gotten. It's insane. So he's a he's an amazing story. Um, but I was just teeing you up for jokes. Not yeah, like serious I, positive I, Purdue analysis. Know, I, look, look, I, I'm just trying to be nice to him. But at the end of the day, we can't trust Purdue in March. We know this. I mean, that that's North Texas, uh, St. Peter's. I mean, Little the, Rock. The tra- yeah, the track record is is there, and I don't like to keep you know harping on it for all our, our Purdue fans out there. But since I'm on an Indiana show, we can bring up all those things. Just keep Absolutely. going. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Purdue is officially Tennessee. the best team in the country that doesn't win. There you go. See, <laughs> said well by one Mark Titus. It's a um, great soundbite. I thought he was literally on the call. I was like, did, did I just call him? He's just hanging out. He's in the back. He's in the green room. <laughs> He's always listening. here. He's yeah. ready. Yeah. Tate, um, I got to ask this. How's your, like, how many points lower is your blood pressure now that Coach K is no longer in college basketball? <laughs> Mr. K. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, yes. The dog. Yeah. The dog is, the dog is not coaching. Thank goodness. Coach, Coach K, the dog. Um, no, Mr. K slash Coach K, the artist formerly Mike. known. Let's just call him Mike. Yeah. Mike, Mr. Mike, <laughs> uh, magic Mike. He, uh, I mean, just the fact that it ended the way that it did. I, you know, I, I feel like things have been a little, uh, worrisome at times in, in North Carolina, you know, sports after the fact, but it's because we all made so many deals with the devil that day and with God that day, whoever you were praying to at the time. I mean, the Duke fans are praying to the devil, obviously. But we, we you know, the conversations I was having with God, I'll tell you this. I mean, I'm in the I'm in the building in New Orleans and I'm like, I'll, I'll lose for 10 straight years if you just give us this one. You know what I mean? I'm just like, just give us this one. We, we got to have this one. I, I want to own this forever. And, uh, you know, when Caleb hit that shot. Um, my mom was there, my brother, I mean, the, the, it was just like, you know, so many friends in the, I mean, it was just like cathartic. And, uh, I knew that there was going to be some sort of karma on the other side, but like you said, not having to look at him, not having to hear about him other than when he goes to the Heisman ceremony for no reason. We don't know why. Um, <laughs> was he really at the Heisman ceremony? He, yeah, he, he got an, he got a He literally got a Heisman trophy himself. We don't, he did not play college football. At least that I, I did not see that this year, even though Duke had a good season. Um, yeah, Mr. K being out of college basketball and and simultaneously out of my face is uh it, it is honestly a blessing. And and the fact that every time I see him I laugh, right? When I used to see him, 
he used to make me sick. Like I wanted to throw up. And now when I see him, I just laugh. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like when you get over your fear, like you're scared of clowns. And then eventually you're just like, it's just a guy behind a mask. Right. And uh, that's, that's kind of what happened with me and, and coach K, you know, it, it's a good feeling now. Now he makes me happy. Warms We're me. all happy for you. Man. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I just, I have to keep reminding people that it happened. Uh, Cause you know, it, it, it doesn't feel real. I have to pinch myself sometimes, but the tape doesn't lie. I've watched that game too many times. I was going to say, you could not have gamed it out better. Quite frankly. <laughs> right. Right. It felt like it was like a Jordan brand, like uh marketing strategy. Right? I mean, <laughs> it was, it was unbelievable. I don't know how it worked, but it worked. Thank God. <laughs> so speaking of Carolina and the deal that you made with some higher power to get <laughs> right, whatever, whatever now, you believe in. Right. Yeah. yeah that is now uh, kind of coming back and we're seeing the flip side of it. How is that win going to age for Indiana? Like, is this Carolina team going to get it going? What do you think the future holds? Yeah, I think so. Um, the last two games, despite, you know, no one watching, rightfully so, you shouldn't watch. I mean, this team should be put on ice for the national public, right, after what they've done. Um, they, they've they've betrayed all of our trust to, to open the season. But they're just not a November team. But uh, Georgia Tech game was very inspiring. Uh, Hubert bench Caleb Love in the first half for being selfish. Seth Trimble came into the game, was great. He and RJ were great. Caleb came back in the second half. He's playing great defense. He's getting steals. He's taking good shots. And, like, the real secret to Caleb Love is if Caleb Love is catching the ball and shooting, yes. If Caleb Love is dribbling and shooting, no. It's as simple as that. He he wants to be a point guard because that's what the NBA is telling him, but he's really a shooting guard. And then when he plays shooting guard and RJ plays point guard, it's the same problem we had last year, which is why it's so funny. And then uh, against the Citadel, they put up 100 points. The bench came in. Tyler Nickel, a freshman, had 16 points in the second half, showed some life, had people saying he looked like Brady Manick hitting threes, right? So they need three-point shooting. I think they're going to get better. I hope that they show up on Saturday um, in Madison Square Garden. And if they beat Ohio State and then beat Michigan in the next game, they get two nice wins over big-time programs. They go into the ACC. They're okay. They kind of salvage this run. And uh, I think you're going to be all right. And if they go 13-5 and five in the ACC like they did last year, they better not be an eight seed because uh, that, that drove me crazy. Um, and Indiana at Indiana, that's always going to be a loss. It should have been the first loss of the season, but I, we all knew that was going to be a loss. I know I did, and uh, every Carolina fan watching that game. Granted, you guys blew us out so fast it wasn't even a game, but uh, we, we knew that wasn't going to happen anyway. So I think it'll be fine in the end. I think you guys will look back and say, yeah, we beat Carolina. That was a nice win. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Well, I, I'm not going to hold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking <laughs> no, about I mean, higher being again. You know, I'm is, doing all that. <laughs> it is funny that Indiana has played North Carolina the last three times at Assembly Hall in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and it they've kind of dominated them. And it's 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 weird because those are all good you know, North Carolina teams, it's just a, it's just a bad place for them to play. I think it feels that way. I mean, I'm sure it would be the reverse if Indiana was going down North Carolina too. It just also happened to be our three most talented teams of the last decade. That's true. That part is true as well. Yeah. It just lined up well. You guys remember years. I remember James, I I was the same age as James Michael McAdoo and James Michael went to play at assembly hall when you guys had Zeller and, you know, Cody and, uh, and like watching that game, like even he, I saw hey, he has a podcast now and he was talking about it. He was like, I'm like, who is this guy just getting absolutely abused? You know yeah. what I mean? He's like talking about himself rewatching the game. I mean, <laughs> we just got absolutely ran. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It was just like, 
no well, chance, so not even it, a chance. It was that team that was like preseason number one was their first chance to show off, right? Too, right. and they just went nuts. And yeah, and historically, okay. Indiana has some sort of weird psychological edge over Carolina. It's the one. It's like one of the schools in the blue, like Kansas is the same way, right? It's like one of the schools in the blue blood world that they just kind of have your number for whatever reason. Like last year at the national championship, it was amazing to beat Duke. And I was praying to God that Villanova was going to win the game because I wanted revenge on Villanova from 2016. I did not want to see Kansas in the same way. I never want to see Indiana when Carolina played Indiana in 2016 in the tournament. I I was like, they're going to lose. Granted, they didn't that time. I was pretty shocked by it, but I expect any, I mean, freaking Dan Dockage beat Michael Jordan, right? That that says enough about the, the psychological advantage of Indiana over North Carolina. And he'll never let you yeah. forget about it. Right, way. right. <laughs> He's never we brought got, that up since. Let no. that go, please. <laughs> Everyone, maybe we erase that. Maybe we give it to someone else. Rather Steve Alford, it's of not Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, did you have a question? I, I, I'm just uh, curious. Um, you, you watch a lot of basketball besides North Carolina. For us, it's Indiana. Are there mm-hmm. programs that you just really enjoy uh, seeing in person um, around the country? And how do you organize that um, so that you can talk uh, national basketball? Right. Yeah, it, it was I got really lucky. So when I went to Carolina, I had my brother was four years older and uh, one of his best friends was going to work at ESPN. And uh, I started working at a radio station in Raleigh, David Glenn show when I was 18 and, uh, you know, at the radio station, they were like, lean into your fandom, your Carolina guy, people call in, whatever, you know. And then I started working for Inside Carolina and uh, they were like, you are not a fan. Right. And then I was a journalism major. So they're like, cut all that out. So I kind of lived both sides of the, you know, I was covering it. So then I was like, don't look like it, a, you know, try to be objective as possible. I try to look at other teams. If anything, I try to find the things wrong with Carolina, you know, and that that was kind of the, the outlook. And then that helped when I got into, you know, I, I started working for Bill Simmons, who's like, lean into Carolina. You hate Duke, da, 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 you know? <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, right, that, that checks out. But then also I had gotten used to kind of just like being a reporter and, and watching all these other teams. And I just love college basketball anyway. So uh, it, it made it easier to kind of make that transition to talking about all the teams because I, I did that anyway. And as far as programs that I really – you know, enjoy covering or enjoy kind of uh, being around and seeing, you know, kind of who they are. I really enjoy UCLA, um, you know, not Steve Alford, unfortunately, but the, the Mick Cronin era that, that came after. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I've enjoyed Coach Cronin. I think he's a little bit of a throwback. Tommy Lloyd, who we just saw in Maui, just watching the way that Tommy Lloyd runs his program in Arizona and kind of the guy he is. Um, I think Tony Bennett at Virginia, right? I mean, their arrival, I think, you know, that that's a, that's the way that he does things and the way that he runs a program. I, I have to respect Jay Wright, who obviously just left the game, but Villanova was always, you know, I applied to Villanova. One of my best friends growing up, his parents both went to Villanova. So I, I like Villanova. I respected how Jay Wright ran his program. It's somewhere where, you know, you, you can just point to them. Tom Izzo at Michigan State, someone I point to. Um, I think that, that, you know, he has a, a high quality program, the way he does things. So um, and it's fun because you learn about the little intricacies of why each school is who they are and what the little things, you know, about their team that gets people going. And, you know, when you talk about or, college basketball is regional. So when you talk about it nationally, you're always going to have blind spots. You're always going to be an idiot. You're everyone that watches it and follows <laughs> it is going to know way more than you. Right. So you just kind of you, you deal with that. And if anything, 
right? When I am an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about and someone's like, this guy plays more, da, da, da. I'm just like, all right, tell me that. And then when I'm watching them, I'm, I'm, you know, now, now I'm picking up what you're putting down. Now we're having a conversation. You know, it's like it's national, but then when you get into the the, the nitty gritty, it gets regional, and you get to deal with and, and enjoy the real fans. Because I, I I think fans are a dying breed in sports in general, like true fans. And I think uh, in college basketball specifically, these are diehard fans. Like if you go talk to a Connecticut fan right now. They're gonna tell you everything. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna tell you why they're not gonna win. They're gonna tell you that they need a Kimba, they need a Shabazz type of guy. We don't have a closer, right? You're like, this is great, right? But naturally, I can just say UConn's pretty damn good. They beat the hell out of everybody, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then that Connecticut fan will yell at me, but it's it's like it's it's a nice banter back and forth, and uh, it's the best sport in the world to me. I, uh, I I think it's the best, and 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 I'll argue anybody that so. That's great. Well, you're, pre- you're preaching to the choir here because we right. That's agree, I, that's know. why I like Indiana people though, because you guys get. It's not like I'm I'm not speaking a foreign language. You're like, of course, right? It's not. You don't need to be explained because you get it already. And that's kind of there's so many programs like that in college basketball and programs that are becoming that right. Like Houston is becoming that again, where like people in the city of Houston are like, you know, we love Cougars basketball. And it's like great. That's what we want. <laughs> want people bought in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like what you just said really sums up the ethos of your show and why we yep. recommend it to everybody because there's a lot of arrogance on national college <laughs> basketball podcasts. I still listen to right. them because you get some good information. There's a lot of arrogance. I think you guys approach the sport with a humility and an appreciation for the intricacies, you know, and kind of a celebration. Like I always say, you guys have the ability to point out and celebrate the absurdities of college basketball. You know? right. And sometimes right. you have to laugh at them and appreciate them at the same time because it can be a ridiculous sport. But you guys do it better than anybody. And that's why we love your show. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Pearl said character counts. I think characters count. I, I think we need characters in college basketball. <laughs> I think it helps with the, the beauty of the sport. I think that's what we all want. It makes it unique. And, uh, when people have their own style, like look at the NBA, like not, not to, you know, whatever, but the NBA, they all play the same way now, right? There's no unique styles. They all wear the same colors. Like every single week, they got different color, different jerseys. Like it's the same product 30 different times the same night. You watch college basketball, like, I mean, good God. Like, why? I mean, watch how some of these teams play. Like, you know, watch Bellarmine pass the ball to each other, right? I mean, they don't even dribble. And then, you know, go watch an ISO heavy team. Go watch an Arkansas with all these freak out. Like, there's so many different styles. There's so many different characters in the sport. It's, it's the best. It's hard to beat. It is. Hey, man, last question for you, if you have time. I wanted to give yeah. you a chance to talk about this new podcast project that you just put out. I saw you tweet about it. Basically, yeah. the story of five-star basketball, right? Can you tell right. us? Tell us about that and how to how to listen to it. Yeah, so it's called uh, the World of Five Star. Uh, I I uh, basically for two years interviewed, uh, I mean seventy some coaches, uh, two hundred some players, you know, and then uh, LeBron James's production company uninterrupted um, and Slam, obviously Slam Magazine, put it out. Came out last year actually, but it's six part series. Um, oh, it came out last camp. year. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is the one year anniversary of it, but um. Yeah, it's uh, I'm narrating it. We we wrote and produced it, my company, and uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to talk to Coach K face to face. He said uh, he heard that I did an impression of him, <laughs> and I told him he heard wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was a really fun project. I learned so much about the game. I mean, Coach Hubie Brown still calls me like he was one of the the main counselors at the camp, and I think like outside of Chuck Taylor, there's no one that's more important than basketball than Hubie Brown, and. Nope. Uh, you know, just having that that wealth of knowledge and hearing the stories about, you know, 
uh, just like Al McGuire and Dean Smith, you know, hanging out with John Wooden at, you know, at a table in a back bar and like explaining why they like to do this on a, on a you know, zone press or whatever. So it's like, uh, it's a lot of just nerdy basketball stuff. It's a lot of amazing stories. We, we did a limited series. It was only six episodes. We're hoping to do something more with it, maybe like a, a TV show where it's kind of a narrative, but these coaches are played, you know, it means nice. Rick Pitino is a young man, Cal Perry when he's a young man, right? It's a, it's a lot of great stories. So it's called the world of five star. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts and uh, yeah, appreciate you shouting that out, man. Absolutely. Thanks. The world of five star. All right. We'll link that up in the show notes. Tate really appreciate you taking the time. Glad we were able to do this huge fans yeah, of your show. Everybody listen to Titus and Tate. And uh, good luck to North Carolina. As you said, Indiana <laughs> fans should all be Carolina fans. So we're all right. aligned this season. Right, right. We're, <laughs> we're, we're moving the same direction. And I want Indiana to beat the blood out of everybody like they did to Carolina. So, you know, that, that's I was pulling for them against Arizona just so I could say to Titus, hey, look, look at Indiana, right? <laughs> um, so we're right, we're right on the same page and I uh, appreciate you guys. And uh, if you ever need me to come on and sound stupid, I'm right here. One call away. Appreciate you. No, we have Mark Thanks. come on to sound stupid. We call oh, you for you the go. actual analysis. The highbrow analysis. <laughs> I appreciate that. appreciate that. Thanks, fellas. All right. The great Tate Frazier, everybody. Thank you, Tate. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. I uh, I hope you guys have a good weekend, and I hope that uh, they show up. I hope I don't sound dumb if Kansas comes out and they're just barraging threes. But I, I really think that inside, Trey should have a big game. So pulling for you. I hope so. Hope yep. so. Yeah. Our weekend will be dictated by how that game goes early Saturday. <laughs> so, so so will mine. So will mine. Yeah. It'll, we'll be on the same page. Perfect. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right, y'all. All right. Thanks, Tate. I'm going to hit it. Have a great night. Yep. Cool. Take care, man. The great Tate Frazier. That was good. Yeah. That was real good. Good insight. Great. Glad having him. Finally. Good right. We've been almost having him. We almost had him a couple yeah, times. Yeah. It didn't work out a couple weeks ago, but yeah, now we were able to do it. So very good. Okay, that was our conversation with Tate Frazier talking IU Kansas. We got a lot of really good mailbag questions, like serious hoops questions. We're going to dive into those next here on the Assembly Call. So stick with us. Segment three, coming right up. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. 
Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devontae. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. It is time for segment three, our mailbag. Uh, we're going to answer a bunch of questions that were submitted inside of our private IU basketball discussion community. Before we start, I do just want to give a shout out to the community and to the work that Tony Adrania does with IU Film Room. And we're actually, we've been running this promotion. We've just been kind of quiet about it for a couple weeks. Uh, but Tony and I put this up there. It's a 60-day free trial. So it's a paid community because we want it to be just for serious IU fans. But we decided to do like a long trial so you can come in, try it out. That gives you access to all the normal community stuff, all of my analysis posts, all of Tony's just incredible film work. Um, it really will make you a smarter, more informed uh, you know, IU basketball fan. And there's just a great community in there. Not to mention all of Coach's Coach's Corner stuff, our weekly interviews with Mike DeCourcy. Like we're doing a ton of stuff in there. And so we've got this 60 day free trial. So essentially you can join, you won't pay anything for 60 days. And if you like it, stick around, it'll be, you know, it's a good value. And if you don't like it, you tried it out and you know, you don't have to pay. So, but we want to give you a chance to try it out. Go to assemblycall.com slash community. We'd love to have you in there. It's obviously going to be a fun season. Um, you know, and so we want as many good, serious IU fans in there as possible. So assemblycall.com slash community. Gentlemen, Let's get to some questions. The first one from Adam. And we kind of touched on this a little bit in our conversation with Tate. What kind of role will our big men have for this Kansas game? Obviously, Trace will still play a ton, but given the lack of size for Kansas and how wide open they play offense, do we play smaller with a Jordan Geronimo or drop Galloway or Cop to a four role and bring in another wing or guard? Offensively, we would have the edge down low, but they're far too quick when on offense for our bigs who will be guarding Wilson. So a whole lot kind of rolled up into that question. Coach, do you have thoughts on how Indiana might approach that? Yeah, I, I think they're going to approach it like they've played all along. I think they're going to expect uh, race, renew, Geronimo to be able to guard whoever is going to be uh, playing the, the three or four that they match up with. Uh, I'm always interested in playing a little smaller. Uh, I, I know that doesn't help with rebounding. But, boy, if you have Miller Cop at the four and he can bang enough on a, on a smaller uh, lineup uh, that that intrigues me uh, because I'm a, I'm a guard person and I know Tate just said play inside out and we have to because that's where uh, that's the strength you know, of the team that's the strength of the team but I also think that we do that a little too much uh, and if we did play small uh, that might open up uh, the inside actually uh, by stretching the floor a little more than what our uh, our fours with race and, and renewed do. So I don't think you'll see it. I think Coach Woodson has his beliefs in, in his rotation and who plays where, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. Worth noting, too, Kansas has not been a great rebounding team this year. They got blown off the boards a couple times. So Indiana so just going to see balls rolling around on yeah, the Yeah, it teams might be a lot of offensive rebounds in this one. <laughs> Um, all right. Thank you for the question, Adam. From Jack Ryan, given the recent struggles, what type of defensive effort would it take for the Hoosiers to make you confident in their ability to be a top 10, 15 unit throughout the rest of the year? You know, we've seen some good defense against North Carolina. Indiana's defense was outstanding, but there have been some other games, you know, with the defense and, and coach, I thought you had a great comment earlier. It seems like they're resting on their laurels a little bit, you know, your reputation doesn't get you very far when it comes to defense. you got to bring it every game. And so we know this team can dial it up. We're just not quite seeing them as locked in. And this is something we saw even as far back as some of the cupcake games. And we were like, is the defense really quite as good as, as you know we think it is? 
So what's it going to take? You know, Jack's question, what's it going to take, you know, for, for it to be as good as we think and for this to be a top 10, 15 team? Yeah, I, I just, it, you got to rebound. To, to me, it's rebounding because, is big. yeah, um, too much, too, even in games where Indiana was dominant and had good defensive points per possession, I think that's a great measurement, uh, that stat uh, as well. And we've had success there until recently. Um, but I, I think that is, is when I'm going to say, okay, this team's back is we're finishing possessions. Like we're locked in, we're blocking out, you know, the guards are hitting people. We're going and getting the ball and getting out on the run. The, the other thing is, um, just inside how they play, like I said, the post players were letting the guys get the position and then guarding. No, you start guarding by pushing people off the block. Are the guards getting into the point guard on when they're coming off ball screen action? Or, or are they a step behind and then there's a lot of plays at the rim? So that attention to detail, um, the, the eye test, I guess, Jack, is, is what I would say. It's a good question because Indiana hasn't been bad. They haven't been horrible. They just haven't been good enough. Um, but for me, the key is rebounding says you're you're doing the front side of defense well, and then you're doing finishing with the backside that that you're locked in yeah coach i agree with the rebounding angle i think that is 100 percent. i think that's the simplest answer to this is don't give second chance points don't give yeah. and even if they don't score on a second chance it wears you the hell down to have to play another 20 seconds of defense you know with as intensely as indiana plays and i remember last year we were talking about minutes with guys and saying well they played more minutes the year before or whatever it's like well they're playing way more intensely on both ends now it wears you down and that affects your offense too. Minutes aren't created equal. If you're playing harder, it, you know, it's going to wear you down more. And what I'll say is Indiana's two losses. Rutgers, they didn't play bad defense. The defense was not the problem. The offense was the problem. Now they gave up offensive rebounds and they had, you know, some breakdowns here or there as the game got away from them at times. You're going to have breakdowns when things aren't going well on both ends. Um, but the Kansas game, quite frankly, Kansas is going to do what they did to Indiana to pretty much everybody. You're not going to hold that team under a point per possession. You're just not. They're too good. You know, all you can hope to do is limit the limit the damage as much as you can and score with them. I mean, that, that and, and hope it comes down late and you're able to outscore them. A lot of people have pointed to that Utah loss. That is one of those fluky college basketball scores that will not hold up to scrutiny long term. I do not think unless something crazy happens to Kansas. Um, Wait, are you talking about I, Arizona or Kansas right now? Arizona, I'm sorry. Did I say Kansas? Okay, well, who's the team? Okay, so when you were saying you're not going to be able to stop them, you were talking about Arizona. I'm talking Arizona. Kansas, I'm right? sorry. Did I say okay. Kansas? Kansas yeah. is on my mind. No, I meant Arizona. Okay. Like, you're not going to hold Arizona under a point per possession. I'm sorry. It, what, what, yeah, I, was, I was talking about their two losses, so that was the okay. – um, So, yeah, Arizona is going to do that to everybody, I think. And so what you're going to have to do against Kansas is that's a team I think who can slow down to some degree – they're not Arizona, I don't think, statistically. Unless they shoot the lights, they shoot the absolute lights out, you're going to have a chance to stop that team. And they're super talented, so it's going to be difficult. But the the path is there, and it's right. You got to rebound. You've got to you know make sure your ball screen defense is correct. You've got to make sure you're talking, you're competing together. And the and the thing is, you got to make sure your offense is flowing too to take some pressure off that defense, so you don't have to be perfect every single time. And those, those are the, you know, cause, cause people try and separate offense and defense and it's one game, you know, there are certain things you can be better at and worse at and all that, but one definitely affects the other. 
from Mike. They say Trace can shoot 15 to 18 footers in practice. Why have we not seen him shoot them in the games? Don't you think it is a key to just how far this team can go? No, I don't think no. it's a key because it's not going to happen. Yeah. If it didn't happen in the cupcake games or exhibition games, he's not going to bust it out now in Big Ten play. And I think it's pretty clear. It's an unnatural basketball like action for him because when he's out on the court and he's open, he doesn't look at the basket. Like He put one up against Arizona, but it's just not something that he's comfortable enough with in nope. games. And a lot of guys can do stuff. Go in. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of guys can do stuff, you know, like in the gym or in practice, but at the speed, what can you do at game speed against good teams? And that's just not part of it. So yeah, in an ideal world, he'd be able to step out like Allen Henderson, hit the 16-footer, and that would be great. But I mean, I don't think it's the key cuz Indiana can score other ways and Trace can still be a productive player. And I did, you know, it was a fun topic of conversation in the offseason, but what do we say all offseason? You know, it's probably, you know, we've been talking about this for three years. It's probably not actually going to happen in games. I will say so, after three years of pitching it, his right hand actually looks good. Finally, it, it, yeah. you know, we were told before his sophomore year, no, his right hand looks real good. Didn't see it. Junior year, right hand looks real good. No, it, it actually looks pretty good. So baby steps. We got something. We didn't get the 18 foot jumper. But we got something. I'm yeah. OK with it. Ryan, you you can correct me if I'm wrong. You're the shot doctor, but you, you've got to be in rhythm, and part of the rhythm is mentally. Like I, I'm a firm believer, you're you're your first, you're most open when you first catch the ball, yes. and shooters think when as soon as I catch this ball, I'm going to shoot it it's until they up. take it away from me. Yep, and yep. you see uh, the shots that uh, TJD takes are uh, second or third stop, option shots. Think, yeah, stop, set, think, think, shoot. That's some of the problem with with race too. Like, yeah. if Race he catches hesitates. and shoots, he's better. When he hesitates, should I reverse the ball? Should I throw it inside? No, now I'm going to step back he behind hit one, the three. He hit one yeah. last game where he stepped in as a jab, step, stop, right. and shot it. But he he's also, better it also off the, the catch. Rafters, quite frankly. Right. But, no, he's better when he catches it and does that step into it. And, you know, yep. if they were if they were real stickler, it's actually kind of a travel because he takes a step. into yeah. it. A lot of guys do that. It's not – and they don't call it. But, but I don't um, see TJD getting no. rhythm – no. 15 footer so it's not a key it, for us he'll catch it at that spot look to drive take yep. a second set himself and then say oh i'm gonna shoot and shoot it yeah. when he does shoot it. he and shot it more often last year but he's better off he not knows. shooting it yeah at that point move it and go ball screen and try to get into some if other you, action and taking that shot is more beneficial question, for indiana if you question your shot at all you're not going to make it yes yep. a fluky one may go down every once in a while but it's if just you like question if you should be shooting you should not be yep. shooting We've always instructed people when you have a mishandled catch, don't shoot it because yeah. you're you're out Throws of rhythm. Your rhythm off. Yeah. Shot fake or take a dribble and and, and gather good shooters. If you or if pass, you don't catch it in the pocket, back around to you, you know exactly. Come off a screen. But where this question is important is I do think in recruiting in the transfer portal, the next center we have, we want to have. And this is where the question is the key to Indiana's future success is moving away from the at the rim, the dunker, the low post only center. Um, I just think that um, unless you have a lot of guards like Arizona, I'm just a big believer in in your fives Versa and fours being able to shoot threes yeah. or shoot 15 footers. You know um, even if it's you got to move that direction, even if it's 10 feet, coach, even yes. if it's 10 feet get away from the hoop because you know what that does it takes their best rebounder out too usually and if you miss you got a chance to get it an and they can't do what they're doing now it's just sag in and put a guy behind and a guy you know that they know when you catch you're going to the rim so they send three guys there and then dare you just to fling it out well, here's the, here's the if other you thing, can just sigma yeah. and shoot over people 
So I think that's the direction moving forward where this question is really, yes, the key to well, Indiana moving forward is to have your center be able to hit 15-footers, and not this season. And the reason why it's threatening is not just to spread the floor and all that. Excuse me. Is not just to spread the floor and all that. It's TJD, where's he at his best? When he's attacking facing up. I mean, he's good with his back to the basket, but when he is going the best, it's off a pick and roll heading straight to the hoop, or when he's got the ball and he gets a guy one-on-one and can go by him. He's quick for his size. He's athletic. He can get around guys. Like, if he could catch that and make that now, guys, when he catches at 15 feet, guys can be five feet away from him if they want. Right. They're usually not. They're usually with about three and have the arm kind of at him. But still, that's space. If they had to get right up on him, that feeds right into what he wants to do, which is go by you. And that's when he's at his best. I know he works back to the basket pretty well, and he has that, the great little left-handed jump hook towards the middle of the lane when he's set up on the on the right side and he goes back to the middle. He's real good at that, and that's his that's his go-to move. But he's at his best when he's faced you up or when he's running full speed towards the hoop off a of pick and roll. That's him at home. And so you can't really do that if you can't hit a jumper. I mean, you can try, but it's a lot harder, you know, and he he, he does it at times because he's so good at it, he's able to get away with it. But that's a lot harder when guys are backing off you. Great comment here from uh, Jeffrey in the chat. It says, my opinion, since I'm a salsa dancer. Did you guys know we had a salsa dancer in the chat? Did mom? not know that. Thank you, That's Jeff. huge. It says, Trace has so much muscle memory shooting close, but hasn't developed his muscle memory for shooting outside. He just isn't used to it, doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, you just, there's certain things when you get at game speed, you know, that's a just different than what you can do in that empty gym. And so it's just not something he's developed yet. Let, let me, this is kind of off the topic, but um, I think a lot of Indiana guys, the desire and the connected, we talked about it. Uh, I, I've said over and over how connected I just think this team is wanting to do the right things. And right now they need to be freed up to make some mistakes a little bit more. So whether, you know, like TJD should just shoot that when he first caught that one instead of thinking about it. Ray should just shoot and think. That's going to open up. It, we may lose. We, it may be a missed shot, but play free. I think Trey Galloway's trying too hard to c come over that ball screen and get into the lane and make something happen, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, I missed the, the and one out to Miller Cop. Uh, I think that's X. Like, I will never fault X desire to win for Indiana basketball. I think it hurts him at times because he goes 8,000 miles an hour, floats in the air, throws it to the coach, um, or, or pushes off, gets a, a, a second foul, those things. I think this team needs to take a deep breath and believe in themselves, as, as they do, but even more, and play calm and do the things they do well collectively. And part of that may be getting Hood Shafino back, too, where you have your full complement of players. And, and maybe we've seen in the Rutgers and the Arizona game that next man up, which is the right mentality, taken to two – too much uh, aggression in, in their play offensively and defensively worn people out. So getting back to full strength and just, just letting the game come to the uh, offense and taking what's there is a vital step, I think, for this Hoosier team. It's still a roster filled with guys that haven't won a lot. They've got a lot right. of college basketball experience, but not a lot of winning experience. They built some toward the end of last year. You win a game like at Xavier, you win a game against North Carolina, that helps. But there is there was a difference in the way Arizona approached that moment and the way Indiana approached the moment. And Arizona seemed like a team that has been in that moment and succeeded in that moment before. And that's something this team is going to have to develop throughout the season so that they're ready for the bigger moments later. But you can still see that, you know, this team, they don't they don't quite have that coach. They don't quite have that comfort level under the brightest lights yet. 
Um, doesn't mean they can't get it as the season goes on, but it's still something they're working toward. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. From Jim Tom Hoosier. After 10 games, do you think Malik Renew can still have a significant role? He seems to struggle against better interior talent. So here's what I want to say about Malik Renew. Number one, to the question that we were just talking about, what is Malik Renew's first thought every time he catches the ball? I'm shooting the- it until they take it away from me, right? Yeah. Even, even if he's behind the three-point line. I think he's going to develop into a guy who can step out and make that shot because yeah. he's confident in it, you know, and he's got decent enough mechanics, you know, so if he works at it, he'll be a guy who can step out and take it because he's got a shooter's mentality. Now, what I want to say about Malik Renew, I think one example to think about with Malik that is very, very instructive is think about the impact that OG Ananobi and Juwan Morgan had in 2016. Those guys did not do very much through the first 10, 12 games of the season. They played a little bit here and there. They would produce a little bit in one cupcake game, but didn't play almost any minutes in Indiana's big games. You know, we talked a lot about that Rutgers game when OG and Max Bielfeldt you know, basically just formed a two-man tandem to, you know, help Indiana avoid a catastrophic loss to a sub-200 team. And that was really the first time, you know, OG had two of those stealing dunks and everybody's like, whoa, what's up with this guy? And he kind of slowly developed and got comfortable. And by the end of the season, was one of the three or four most important players on the roster. Witness the defense that he played against Jamal Murray in the NCAA tournament. I still think that we could see a progression like that from Malik Renew. You know, he's already a guy who has gone on the road against Xavier and produced, you know, and we, so, you know, it's not that he's only done this against the cupcake teams, but he's really struggling right now. He's going too fast. He's trying to do stuff that probably worked in high school that hasn't worked here. And as coach Woodson has talked about, he's learning how hard you have to play in college basketball, but he seems to me like a guy because of his body, because of his mentality, Like, I don't think he's just going to suddenly not be aggressive because being aggressive is part of his basketball DNA coach. I think he's a guy who could really come on. He profiles as a guy who could really come on the second part of the season. Not all freshmen do that, you know, but we saw it with OG. And I think Malik has that kind of talent and mentality. Um, Even though he's kind of hit a little bit of a wall here, I still have really high hopes for what he can be in February and March. I absolutely agree. I I have no concerns uh, about his ability to help this team win. I think freshmen hit walls at different times. Uh, the end of the first semester uh, with school and play and all of that stuff uh, can, can be contributing it. But he's also playing with a veteran in the same spot at race. And, and if race is playing well, race is going to get a majority of the minutes. So you're going to see his production drop because of that. I mean, if race is hitting threes, you're going to play race Thompson. I mean, that's a no brainer. Um, uh, and, and then he's gotten into foul trouble. And so you see Coach Woodson saying, I need to let him out there because you need to get minutes. You learn best. Practice is great. I love practice. But you get more uh, experience by the reps you get during games. And so, you know, (laughs) so he needs to play. And I think Coach Woodson sees that. And I think he's gotten early foul trouble in some of these games. Um, And so I think it's a combination of stuff. But I'm not worried at all. He's got that mentality, that body that uh, he's going to be fine. Valerie makes a good point, too. You know, he hasn't quite been the same since Jalen got hurt. And those are two guys who obviously played a lot together in high school. And, you know, that may have a little bit of an impact just on his comfort level on the court. The, real, the reality is he's facing bigger, stronger guys, and he's struggled yeah. against them. And it, that that's that's what it is. I mean, you can say it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. He's facing bigger, stronger guys who are tougher to handle defensively and tougher to handle offensively. And 
he's going to have to get used to that. I mean, that's being thrown in the deep end. That's why freshmen struggle. They're not as big yep. and strong as the guys they're facing. You fa- you go from facing guys your age to facing guys three, four years older than you who are three, four years bigger, stronger, more experienced, and better than you in a lot of ways. That doesn't mean I think that they're more talented, but they're better college basketball players right now, certainly. And so it's just going to be a, you know, it's going to be an adjustment. It's always an adjustment. That's the danger of relying on freshmen heavily is they're going to go through these periods. Now the reward long-term is like coach said, you play the minutes, you get better and it pays off, but that's, what's going to happen. Jalen's going to have these games too, where he's going to struggle and do nothing. And it's going to be like, where's Jalen Huchifino, you know? And then you just, you get better, you build on it and and you move forward. And again, these are highly rated guys. They're going to be good. It's just a matter of them getting through, uh, you know, some, some rough times. And that's what happens when you're a freshman. All right, I have a date with my wife in like five minutes to go watch episode three of White Lotus. You guys been watching White Lotus? You're only down to you're only in episode three. We just, just we just started it. No, no, oh. well, I know we're we're just getting into it. You did so season one, right? We're on season. We're watching season one right now. Oh, okay, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it's great. I watched yeah. both. So I I have to as much as I love hanging out with you guys. I got to get out there in a few minutes. So we'll hey man, go. I'm the one that's always like, let's keep the show under an hour. So I'm good with it. <laughs> right, um, let's show for for Jared's date night. um okay so let's hit these last few questions rapid fire uh valerie says does it bring the team good luck if i'm watching from kentucky i will be with six oh i'll be part of six iu fans versus two uk people rooting from behind enemy lines must count for something yes why are you friends with kentucky fans that's the first question (laughs) that's a good question valerie you're gonna need to address that that is a fair i don't have any purdue fan friends so you know I don't All know right. what you're doing. Valerie, you can defend yourself. Challenge. Uh, yeah, that is a challenge. Um, okay, uh, Ryan, I guess this is probably better for you. Alex wants to know if anyone has an update on the recruiting front. Seems like there's been a bunch of interest, especially in the 24 and 25 classes. Lots of high five stars yep. coming on campus. But, you know, is this going to result what you in guys. anything? I, I got what you guys have. Indiana shooting very high in 2024 and 2025, probably because they missed out on some guys this year. And let's be real. Recruiting is about a three-year process with people. So this staff was playing catch up in, in both 2022 and 2023. Uh, I think that they missed on some guys they should, that were probably takes that they didn't invest in enough uh, this, this coming year. And they, they swung and missed on some guys. Um, I mean, they would admittedly say they swung and missed on some guys. That's not really just me saying that. They they focused their attention on certain people they thought they could get and missed out on other guys as a result. And um, I'll say this, they're swinging big time. I think that they're smart to recruit programs as much as you recruit players. Any successful coach will tell you, you have to recruit programs as much as players. And they just happen to pick the best program in the country in Montverde. I'm probably the the best pro- to, to really connect with. And so there's a lot of Montverde guys who are seeing what Jalen's doing, seeing what Malik's doing and are really interested in Indiana. Those guys are singing Indiana's praises back to them. Uh, will you get everybody you go after? No, you're never going to get everybody you go after, especially when you go after the high level guys. They are going to need to backfill the roster in the transfer portal because I think a lot of guys are going to be gone. Um, so they're going to need to do some work in the transfer portal uh, to get, they're going to need to get another big for sure. Cause they missed out on the bigs and, you know, unless there's a coach that's fired that has a great big committed or something like, like happened with, you know, Malik and uh, you know, when they got Tamar Bates. And so again, it's, it's just a matter of, 
them doing the work to get those guys so next year. I would expect a couple transfers in. Um, and then, yeah, they're going to try and build out the roster with high school guys, with high level high school guys. They're going after the top guys and we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Uh, by the way, Valerie, it's her niece's husband. So that's why. So it's family. I mean, our niece is really that of. important. It's <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I'm going to support, I'm going to support uh, Valerie. Valerie's awesome. I'm going to support you in this Valerie. And yes, anytime Valerie is cheering for Indiana, it's good luck. Uh, okay. Let's hit these last ones. Leslie says, do you think scoop will have extra juice playing in Kansas? 150%. I think it's going to be one of the keys of the game is how he handles the extra adrenaline of being back close to home in Kansas, because I think Indiana is going to need his offense off the bench. Uh, so if he can come in and give you 10 to 12 points, I think that's going to go a long way towards Indiana winning. Um, and then coach, let me get this one to you and we'll get out of here on this one. Is there something about the way the offense is running this year that has led to Miller hitting more shots or is it more about his skills or health improving or something else? I had probably a combination of both. Um, I, I think uh, initially, um, there's just better play offensively when you have two, uh, drivers of the basketball and Trey Galloway's back plane, who's a third driver of the basketball uh, teams have to make decisions. And then you have Trace Jackson Davis, who is just so solid that teams are putting three people in the, in the lane that he's getting uh, a lot of open looks. But you combine that with, you know, he doesn't have that injured foot, his confidence. He just seems the last two weeks to be a heck of a lot more confident in his play, his ability to get to the rim. It's still not great, but he's got the confidence to try to do it. His shot fake and pull-ups, his just complete game, uh, a lot of it is confidence. Um, so I'll, a lot of that is the reason that he's playing. In fact, so much that I would like to see some some action run specifically for him to shoot the three. However, it best to get him, whether it's off a move, a flare screen, uh, whatever the the analytics say that where his shot is, right side, left side, figure something out, get him going early, not just dependent on the post kick out or, or a point guard drive and, and kick uh, offense because sometimes those shots don't don't find him for a while. But I think he's that much of an asset to this offense, and, and, and Scoop's getting that way too. Like I think you can run some stuff for Scoop coming off the bench, uh, some staggered doubles, and, and they have done some of that. I, I will say you have seen some staggered doubles some some what we call floppy action where the guards cut underneath and come off pin screens. Uh, but I would like to see some specific things run for Miller. I, I've kind of made a 180 on, on my thoughts about uh, how well he's played uh, because I think he's earned it. Absolutely. All righty, folks, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. We want to thank Bob Thompson for producing our music. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logos. And, of course, thank you to Tate Frazier from Titus and Tate for joining us tonight. And thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back on Saturday after IU Kansas with the postgame show. Until then. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is done, Sony. That's right. Sorry, we're out of here. All right. Yeah, here I come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so all right, who's gents. On Saturday. Who's on Saturday? Uh, coaches for sure. I'll be hosting. I'm in. All right. I'm a game. Andy's out. I'm a game time decision, and Tony might be here. So. What days are our shows next week? 
What days uh, are the games? I, I have it marked down. But I know there's, it... there's a game on the 23rd, and I probably can't do that one, so we need to talk about that one. And then the 20th. Is that... Okay, so it's Tuesday, Friday. Tuesday, Friday. It's Tuesday, Friday, and then okay. off all the way until January 5th. Okay. And um, we're going to do a Thursday show next week, possibly. Hang on. What date is that? That's the 22nd? The 22nd. I think that's a sub show. Like, I think we should get Galen and Tony to give their opinions or something. Just because we're going to have two shows that week. Let's get... Yeah, I know. I may be down there. at my in-laws, so it may be hard for me to host that. But, yeah, I agree. Let's get yeah. some new new voices. Let's get some on. new... Yeah. And it, just because we're we're all going to be on for two shows that week, so I think Galen and Tony would appreciate being referred to as subs. Well, no, I I just mean different than us. We like I I would love to hear those two talk. That's why I suggested them. I would love to hear a conversation between those two. So, <laughs> is Tony going to be able to come to the meetup? I don't know. We'll see. All right. I hope. I Empty the bench and get Galen and get Galen and Tony in there. I yes, exactly. It's you know. <laughs> There are Offeld and Tabor. Come on. In a pinch, there'll be starters. Uh, if they just stick uh, around all four years. Got to work uh, on their game. Remind me to tell you, I have some ideas for, for the live show. We are there for the meetup. I have some ideas. That Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. You should, you should host the live. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're going to keep it simpler this year, I think. I, I agree. Like an hour and a half show with that many people there is not going to nah, We're not going to do that this year. We're going to keep it simpler. Yeah. yeah. We've already been talking about that. We're just there Agreed. to party, man. We're there to party. Yeah, and hang we're there out to party, folks. have fun. If 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 some we have some guests, we'll interview them. Yeah, that, exactly. All right, everybody. Later, guys. We'll talk to you all Saturday night, or for everyone. community members tomorrow. Banner Friday. Mike DeCourcy. Enjoy we'll that. There. All right. See y'all. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.